Thank you for listening to this week's message from North Shore Christian Church. For more information about North Shore, please visit northshorechristian.org. There I am. Good morning. Ooh, we'll try that one more time. Good morning. Oh, it's good to see you guys. Good to be here. Good to be with you. Good to have Josh back. Um, and I think it's what, what a blessing it was that he was able to go and to do that thing called a sabbatical and how blessed we were to have Sister Brittany just carry us and pastor us so well during that time. Um, we are a blessed church. Um, so uh, my name is Damian Thompson. I, for those of you who do not know who I am, um, I'm on staff here at North Shore, part of the pastoral staff, and I get to spend the next uh, few minutes with you um, as we begin a brand new journey, um, uh, talking about something that's really important. Um, after we just spent a minute on the life of David, amen? I mean, and, and it was just, it was amazing because we didn't cover everything. And yet it just seemed like chapter after chapter, thing after thing, you just were locked in on his life and what a blessing that was. But as we have begun, we're about to begin this, this new journey, um, I'm just going to go ahead and share with you that I'm going to be fairly transparent this morning. There's some stuff that I feel like, when we're, especially when we're talking about something like what we're going to talk about for the next couple of weeks, I, I feel like if, we're, if, if somebody has to go first. So I'm going to go first today, and I'm going to put some truths on the table um, just about who I am and just about my story, okay? One of those happened as um, I was traveling through this, this stuff this week about what we're going to talk about today. And there was a question that just kept coming to mind over and over and over again. And every time I asked the question, I found myself with the exact same answers. And the question was this, what do I think about, what do I check on, and what do I pray for every single day? Okay? What do I think about, what do I go and check on, and what do I pray for every single day? And I'm going to tell you, the answer was pretty humbling because it was consistent and it was this. My wife, my children, and my money. I told you I was going to put it on the table today. <laughs> See, that third one was supposed to be something else that was kind of cool and kind of, oh, wow, Jesus, thank you for, that was a deal stopper right there. The deal stopped. It didn't get wrecked. But I had to sit with that. My bride, my children, and my money. Now here's something else that the Lord revealed to me as I sat with that. And it was this. Damien, you don't own any of it. None of it. And I, but, but note the possessive pronoun that I used as I described it all. My wife. My children. <laughs> my money. Mm. Now, at no point have I ever found myself in any sort of sense of bondage when it comes to my family. And, and I would never advise any of my brothers here to ever describe your marriage as bondage. <laughs> Especially if you want to continue to stay married. So, and while, while a dad has been one of my greatest challenges... Um, one of the greatest honors has also been one of my greatest challenges. It really has. Because the longer I do this, the more of you show me and inform me that this thing never 
ends. It just keeps going and going. But look, I love my bride because she's my heart. And I love my children because they are my blessing. But my money? Ooh. I mean, listen, I can stand here before you with absolute honesty and tell you that I do not love or cherish my money. But if I think about it, and I check on it, and I pray for it every day, are my words and my actions lining up? Mm -mm. No, they're not. So, if you're walking on a path that has you in this what feels like an uncomfortable and maybe possibly even in a healthy place when it comes to your money, like I am, and perhaps it's the time to consider how to be free of that bondage. So for the next couple of weeks, we're going to walk through a series called Full, Finding Financial Freedoms. Uh, freedom. And I want to thank uh, Josh, who just got back, for all of the Fs that are up there on that one right there. Way to go, Josh. And today's sermon has us looking at the story of Cain and Abel, where we will consider when it comes to God, when it comes to giving to God, what is our first and our best? Our first and our best. Now, I want you to know up front that we're going to sit in this story for a bit, okay? And then we're going to look at what it is that we can learn from it, and then we're going to sit with and explore what it means to give our first and our best. So we're going to be in the book of Genesis today. If, I'm going to advise you all, you need Bibles for this, all right? Get your Bible apps out. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. We got ushers who are going to put a Bible in that hand. And we're not going to jump all over the place today. We're going to sit in Genesis chapter 4. So I'm going to go ahead and give you that heads up. Online family, good to see you. Good to be with you today. You know how we do this. So hey, you're already ready to go. There's some significant things that have happened, though, before we get to the fourth chapter of Genesis. In the three previous chapters, there's some stuff that goes down. First of all, God makes basically everything, okay? So um, heavens, earth, dark, light, seas, land, and all living creatures. Oh, and then he makes man. Oh, and then he makes woman. Oh, and then man and woman mess up, get kicked out of the garden, and then that's where we are today. I don't think you've ever heard three chapters get described that fast. But there it is, and you're welcome. All right, so we're going to be in Genesis chapter 4. We're going to read verses 1 through 5a. 5a meaning just the first half of verse 5, all right? Here's what it says. Now, Adam knew his wife, Eve, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of of the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. Then in the course of time Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. All right. So for those who like to take notes here today, our first note. Now, if you notice, no fill in the blanks today. I left space because I'm just going to trust what the Holy Spirit's going to lay before you, that you'll write down 
what he wants you to be processing as we go through this. So point one is the scene. Here's the scene. Let's walk through this. Cain was Adam and Eve's firstborn. Okay? And it says that he worked the land and he's a farmer. Okay? He's a hard worker. All right? And to my understanding, there's no such thing as a lazy farmer. Because a lazy farmer is either broke or starving or both. Now you've got Abel, who is the second born, and he's a keeper of sheep. He's a herder, and he's a hard worker too. And it appears that we come to a time when they both have an offering to present to the Lord. Okay? Now the Hebrew word for offering is the word micha. Okay? Micha meaning a gift of homage or allegiance. Now, Cain's mikah is from the fruit of his land, and Abel's mikah is from his flock. But Abel's offering is also described as the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. Now, does that kind of sound like a little bit of an upgrade to you? Because I don't know if you know what the fat portions are. That's not common language for us today. But the fat portions was this. This would be the prime cuts, the prime parts of the offering. And I think that what that tells you is, is that sometimes when offerings were given to God, some people held back the fat portions and gave him the rest. But Abel came right up front with the best of his offering to the Lord. Now, the next thing that happens seems to be extremely significant, and it's this. God regards or accepts Abel's offering, but then has no regard or rejects Cain's. Now, there are some schools of thought on why God regarded one over the other. The first one is God held blood offerings as higher, of higher value than of grain offerings. Some said that um, just the quality of, of Cain's offering just really wasn't that good. It wasn't up to snuff. Another one is because of the sovereignty of God, meaning God is God. He can just decide, this I like, that I don't. But it's the fourth one that I think is really interesting, and that's what I'm going to lean into because of what happens next. And that fourth school of thought is this. Cain's attitude was the problem, not his offering. So now, church, we're going to move into verses 5b through 8. So we're going to hit that second half of verse 5 into verse 8. And now we're going to take a look at the reaction, okay? And here's what it reads. It says, so Cain was very angry and his face fell. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. But Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. All right. So church, here's the reaction. Cain is upset. Cain is angry. No, Scripture says 
Cain was very angry, and his face fell. Now, I don't know if it's, it's been a while since I've heard that reference to somebody's face falling. I've heard talk about people's countenance. They say, you know, writers say his countenance fell. But it made me think of when I was, you know, a little kid, and I didn't get my way in the house or I was being punished for something, and I'd be walking around, and my head would be down, and I'd be, and my mother would say, ooh, boy, if that bottom lip gets any lower, you're going to trip over it. And she was letting me know, I see you, okay? Church, Cain is in a bad way, and God knows it. So God comes to Cain, not Cain to God. God comes to him, and notice the ease of the conversation. God is totally comfortable coming and talking to Cain, and apparently this isn't Cain's first conversation with the Creator of the heavens and the earth. Remember, everything is in its infancy. Everything. Nothing is old. Everything is new. But God comes and he warns Cain. He says, if you do well, Will you not be accepted? And that word accepted in Hebrew literally means lifted, which is the opposite of Cain's current disposition. And it makes me think of an old worship song that comes from Psalm chapter 3 that goes, Thou, O Lord, are a shield about me. You're my glory. You're the lifter of my head. And who comes to lift the head, to lift the face of Cain? But God himself. He warns him that sin is right there, right there, ready to have its way with him. But God, but God, um, excuse me, but Cain ignores God's warning and commits the first recorded murder in the history of of mankind, Cain kills his brother Abel. A church, murder is horrific. It was horrific then, and it still is today, even for God, our creator. And now we're going to take a look at the consequence. Let's listen to what God and Cain have to say to each other. And this is significant. We're going to start in verse 9. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying, crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. Then the Lord said to him, not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain 
lest any who found him should attack him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Now, I read this whole section because I wanted you to know what the full consequence for Cain was. But let's take a look at this initial interaction that happens right at the beginning of this. God questions Cain about his brother. He comes and he asks a simple question. And Cain's answer to the creator is cold and calculated. Cain says, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Church, every time I hear those words, there's a chill that goes through me. How must God have felt hearing these words? It's almost like he said, look, Abel isn't my problem. Don't ask me about him. Why don't you just think about that? He just said that to the Lord of heaven and earth who just asked about his brother, his only brother. Where is he? Church, have you ever had someone speak to you in such a way that causes you to take a step back? I'm going to share a story with you this morning. And I can name on a few fingers how many people know this story. I'm going to leave the names out to protect the innocent here. But this was a real thing that happened to me. Back in my, I've now graduated from high school. And I'm heading into my first summer as a high school graduate. I'm looking forward to the, the, the Bible camps that I'll get to go as a camper or I'll be serving at as a counselor. And that one camp that I'd go to and I'd serve at as a counselor was a big deal. We would bring in 150 kids from um, low-income neighborhoods who were underprivileged, and, and we would just love on them for a week. And it was a, it was a rough camp because those kids came in and we would say, hey, we want you to know we love you. And they spent the first three days testing it every day. But by days four and five and six, those kids are just all over you because they realize you mean it. And they're hugging and holding on to you because they know they got to go home. But us as counselors, we're all pulling together with each other. And there was one particular young lady who was a counselor there. And I had a lot of, I had a lot of feelings for her. Let's go ahead and put it that way, okay? I'd known her for a couple of years. And, and I kind of thought this was the summer. I'm going to shoot my shot. I'm going to find out, okay? Let's see what we got going here. And the whole time I'm processing this, you know, I got my best friend that I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I'm bouncing stuff off of him. You know, he's, he's, he's my sounding board. Hey, I'm thinking about saying this to her. No, nah, man, I wouldn't say that. Okay, all right, help me out with this. What should I say? And we get to camp. He's there at camp. She's there. And we're having a fantastic week. And somewhere during the week, and I can't remember the exact day, she comes up to me and she has tears. She's just bawling. And I'm like, well, what's, 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 what's wrong? You Okay. And she goes, Damien, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I just, we, we just, I don't, I don't know what came over us. And I was like, well, wait, hold on. Well, who's us? And she mentioned her and my best friend. And I said, well, well what happened? And she said, I'm so sorry, but, but, but last night we, we made out. Now, I know most sisters sitting here this morning are going, see, Damien, it's good you found that out earliest possible. 
And I want you to know I received that in the name of Jesus. Okay. But for the brothers that are here this morning, you know the issue wasn't her. So I go to my best friend and I say, hey, bruh. So I just got done talking to her and she's a mess and she's apologizing to me because you two made out last night? And he goes, yeah, what about it? Oh, it gets worse. <laughs> I said, well, hold on, man. I mean, you know how I felt about her. You know, excuse me, how I feel about her. You know I've been processing this a long time. I mean, what's going on? And church, I'm going to tell you, I'll never forget this moment. He looked me straight in the eye and he said, I don't see your name on her. I want you to understand something. That was over 40 years ago. And I still feel that to this day. Can you imagine how God felt to have his creation speak to him with that kind of audacity? Am I my brother's keeper? So that is Cain's response to God. Now God gets to give his side. And God's response is swift but measured. God sends Cain away, but allows him to leave by giving him protection, something Cain did not deserve. As a matter of fact, it makes you kind of stop and wonder, why wasn't there a life for a life here? But it just begins to demonstrate the mercy of God, just like it was for Adam and Eve. So here's this whole story of Cain and Abel and God. And you might be wondering, so what are the lessons that we could take away from this? I'm glad you asked. All right? There's five of them. The first one actually comes in the form of a question. And it's this. Did any of this feel familiar? This whole story, as you heard it, did any of it feel familiar to you? Because when I started sitting with this part of the story, I couldn't help just asking myself over and over again, where have I heard God talk like this before? And what's amazing is that if you just flip back one chapter in chapter 3, starting with verse 8, here's what happened. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden and in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves, hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, in classic form, the woman who gave me, you gave to me to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. Church, look at this. We've got God speaking to Adam, and he says, where are you? 
God turns to Cain and says, where is your brother? God turns to Eve and says, what is this you have done? And God turns to Cain and says, what have you done? We've been here before, church. Second lesson is this. God wants your trust and your obedience, not your obligation. He wants your trust and your obedience, not your obligation. God is not, he's, he's not like part of the IRS. He's not going around making sure that you pay up your obligation so that you can be a fully paid and fully licensed member of heaven. That's not how it works. He wants your trust. He wants us to trust him. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord, not with most of your heart, but with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. He wants us to trust him with what? You. He wants you to trust him with you. What else does he want you to trust him? He wants you to trust him with what you have. With what you have right now, today. You don't have tomorrow. We don't have that. What do you have today? And he wants us to obey him. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, oh, we're going to step back into that life of David again. If you remember this. Samuel confronts King Saul because Saul has been disobedient. The Lord gave him a very clear set of instructions, and Saul did not obey. And Samuel says to him, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better. To obey is better than sacrifice. Mm. He wants us to obey him. When? Here's the beautiful part. You can start today. You can start right now. Third lesson. God wants your heart, not your money. Let me say that again. God wants your heart, not your money. See, the problem with Cain's offering didn't start with his offering. It started with his heart. How do we know this? Look at how fast this transact, these, these things happened. How was he able to transition from, Lord, I offer this to you, to I'm angry because I didn't get the response I want, okay, from this rejection to now I'm going to go kill my brother. And he does it. That seems kind of fast, doesn't it? And I think what it demonstrates to us is that where was, ask the question, where was Cain's heart to begin with? And I think what we see is that his heart was not where God wanted it to be. In Proverbs chapter 23, in verse 7, it reads, For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And because it's 2023, let me make sure I put a good blanket on this. 
as a woman thinks in her heart, so is she. Good. That means I didn't miss anybody. All right. Cain's heart was not where God wanted it to be, and God wants your heart to be where it needs to be. Why? And here's our fourth point. Our fourth lesson point is this. Every time, every time we don't trust and obey God, we lose. Check your track record. There's not going to be a single time you did not trust or obey God and it went well. Look at the examples that we have in Scripture. When Adam and Eve did not trust and obey, they lost. When King Saul did not trust and obey, he lost. We even learned that when King David did not trust and obey, he lost. And now here we're looking at Cain. Every time we do not trust and obey God, we lose. But here is the beauty of our God. Every time we do trust and obey, we win. And what's beautiful about that is that every time Adam and Eve trusted and obeyed the Lord, they won. And I know it wasn't a whole lot of uh, opportunities or situations where this happened, but every time Saul obeyed God and trusted him, he won. And we saw over and over again that every time King David trusted and obeyed the Lord, he won. And what do I mean by win? I'm not talking about you come out on top and somebody loses. By winning, I'm meaning we have drawn closer to the Lord and we've become more like him. And what does it mean to be more like him? That's where we get to put our eyes on Jesus. And it means being more like his son, his only begotten son who lived a sinless life and died on a cross for you and me. That's winning. There isn't anything else more important than being like Jesus. And so much of that begins with trusting and obeying the Father. So church, we're going to take a look at our next steps here. And our next steps for you and I are going to sit in this place. Now we're going to bring this all the way back to this whole thing of first and best. All right? So, what does it mean to give our first? Let's just break this up. What does it mean to give our first? Well, one thing we know is, first of all, is that it has priority. When you give of your first, that means it has a priority. That means nothing is going to get in the way of it. Nothing. The second thing that we know is, is that when we give our first, it is intentional. In other words, you mean to do it. We don't stumble into giving our first. The next thing that we notice is, is that it shows honor. It shows honor because you are saying to the Lord, I do this because you are God. Because he is God. And then the last thing that it shows us 
is that it fully acknowledges, fully acknowledges the importance of the recipient. I do this because you are worthy. You and you alone are worthy of this first of what it is that I have to give to you. I don't do this for or with anyone else, only you. And then what does it mean to be, to give our best? Giving our best, I think, is something that we all can kind of identify with because we've done it in our lives. But here's what the two things that it does say. When we give our best, it speaks to the totality of our effort. Okay? Because here's one of the things about giving of our best. If somebody comes to you and you know you gave your best to do something, and they say, wow, thank you so much. That was so amazing what you did. Here's what you never say. Well, I didn't have anything else better to do, so I, you know, I just thought, yeah, you're welcome. You don't say that. If you've given your best, you're probably going to say, well, I hope, I hope things went well. I hope this was good for you. I hope this was a blessing. When we give God our best, he knows it. And we know it too. And then, finally, when we give our best, it shows the want. It shows the want. Because see, you can want a lot of things in here, but the reality is if you don't do anything about it, you really don't want it. You're just kind of having conversations with yourself. My bride taught me about that some years ago. She said, if there's anything about me that's going to be important to you, you're going to want to do it. I had to sit with that. I had to live with that because she was right. And it takes me to a real interesting moment. This was Mother's Day some years ago. Honey, I know you're watching this right now and you're going to get a good laugh. Here we go. I decided that I was going to make my bride a Mother's Day dinner. Now, wasn't going to be any old, mm -mm. I got this thing in my head that I was going to make her a dinner she would never forget. And so I started thinking, so what am I going to do? What am I going to make? Well, we were blessed here in North Shore at that time that some people had just very graciously taken us to a really nice restaurant down in Seattle. It's a steakhouse. I'm not going to give the name of it. They don't need any promotion. All right. And so I thought, all right, I, th I, think, I think I can do this. I think I can. I think I can pull this off. So I had to get a menu together. I got to figure out, all right, so here's what we're going to do. How many courses are there going to be? All right. And then how am I going to get this all stuff all cooked so where I can go ahead and serve it where everything is hot and everything is ready to go? Okay. All right. So I got to go shopping. So I got to go to these different places in this store. I'm probably going to have to order this because I don't think anybody sells this in the store. All right. So I got that down. Okay. Oh, you know what I want to do? I want to make a menu. I want to make a menu. I, I want it to look just like that, that, that restaurant that we went to. Okay, so if I'm going to do this right, i got to find the font. If I'm going to do this right, i got to find the font. i got to find the font for the menu. 
And then the Lord helped me find the font. I was like, okay, here we go. We're good. We got this. All right. So Mother's Day comes, and I say, honey, can you just go hang out in the bedroom and just wait? I have something special that I want to do for you, and I just want to wait this. And she's like, but what if I need to go to the bathroom? You can wait in the bedroom. I need to do this. This is, no. But she was like, okay. She's like, what are you, what are you doing? I said, well, I just hope that this is something that's, that's really special for you. And she's like, oh, my gosh, what have you done? And I'm like, well, just, just hang on. And so she comes out. And she sees the table, it's all set, and she sees the menu, and I seat her, and I proceed, we proceed to go through the courses of the meal. And church, I can just tell you right now, I have no idea if the food was any good. <laughs> I hope it was good. <laughs> I noticed she never asked me to do it again, but I hope it was good. <laughs> but I will never, ever forget the look on her face. Because in that moment, she knew that there was no one more important than her right then. She knew that I had worked to give her my first and my best to help her feel like the amazing mother she was then and still is. The intentionality was clear. The honor was clear. I wanted to make sure that her is the recipient, that she knew what this was all about, and she felt the want. And church, is God worth any less than that? When we talk about being full and, and finding financial freedom, the formula is simple. Trust and obey the Lord, who has said to us, are you willing to trust you to me? See, trust is a two-way street. And obedience is a two-way street because the Lord gives his commands and then we get to obey. And when it comes to our money, is this our posture for something that isn't even ours to begin with? Is this pleasing to him? Does this demonstrate trust and obedience? Is this reflective of the kind of offering you want to give to your God? Or possibly is there a different posture that he desires of us? Church, I'm going to invite you to stand. And we're going to step into a time of giving something that maybe we haven't given to the Lord in a long time. But before we step into that space, I just have one last question that I want to ask you, and it's this. What is in the way of you giving your first and best to the Lord? beautiful thing about these brains that the Lord has given us is that they work really, really fast. And there are some of us who are here this morning and you know what it is. So if you would like for someone to pray with you about it, I'll be here to pray with you. I'd be honored to pray with you this morning.
but bring it to him. Please bring it to him because when we trust and we obey him, we win. But when we don't, he doesn't lose. We do. And he doesn't want to see us lose anymore. Would you pray with me? Jesus, for you and you alone, for you and you alone is our praise, is our worship, is our giving of what it is that you have given us. Lord, you have been so good. Every good and righteous thing comes from you. And all you have asked us to do is to take a portion of it and to give it back to you. So Lord, in this place, right now here today, we want to commit to you that we will give you our first and best moving forward. But if there is something that is still in the way, Lord, would you allow us, give us the courage to confess what that is. And then, Lord, would you draw near to us as we choose to draw near to you and we want to walk with you, sit with you. We want to be able to talk with you like Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel did. And we want our heart to be where you desire for it to be today. Lord, thank you for your word that teaches us and shows us who you are and what you desire of us. And thank you that we have today to give it. And we ask all this, Lord, in your holy and precious name. Amen. Thank you.